0: Welcome to episode 61 of Shimmy Cast, the podcast for dancers and fans of Middle Eastern dance. I'm your host, Anala Ravari. This week I have the part two of my interview with Safa. We have event announcements, questions of the week, and two reviews. One is the book, The Karen Feeding of a Dancer. And the other review is for the DVD, The Art of Belly Dance with Jillian Level 3. This week's music is from Emily <coughs> Pardon me, from Emily Jones and Blue Jar. What's your favorite dish to take to a hufflin? Sunshine posted brownies. Seriously, I recently went to my first tafla this weekend, and I was very unsure of what to bring. I was super worried that everyone would be bringing Mediterranean or Middle Eastern food, all of which I have no idea how to cook. So I went with what I know. I made a bunch of, I made a double batch of ultimate fudge brownies. Oh my god, that sounds good. Um, and cut them up into bite-sized pieces. They were a hit, and only a few were left over at the end. Maybe it was just the Hofla, but no one brought anything... Uh, any. Maybe it was just this Hofla, but no one brought any ethnic food at all. So I certainly won't be worried about future Hoflas. So, well, I'm glad you had fun at your first Hofla, Sunshine, and um, the brownies sound to die for um and yeah it's we i always tell my students whenever we get ready for our student hofla's um i i always bring um middle eastern or greek recipes that i have that are kind of easy to make and everything um but i also tell people you know what it's not a requirement to bring ethnic food or anything like that bring what you want to bring and um I even jokingly say, you know what? Kentucky Fried Chicken is good (laughs) no matter when. So, um, it's just whatever your own taste is. And that's kind of one of the things I love about potlucks is everybody brings what they like to eat. And then you get introduced to new dishes and everything. So, um, yeah. Brownies or, frankly, any kind of chocolatey goodness is fine with me at a (laughs) Hoffla. What are the pros and cons of restaurant dancing? And this is from... Ozoma who is in uh, Japan. So, let's see. I'm sorry to hear that no one answered your latest question in regards to funky places to buy costume stuff. I haunt everywhere. So, I guess she's kind of answering both questions. Um... I haunt everywhere, so nowhere that I've snagged a costume bit seems particularly funky to me. But I thought I'd log on and answer a few of your other questions instead. So that's always fine too, everybody. I'm going to frame the answer in regards to having a regular weekly gig. After years of filling in for people here and there, I now dance at one restaurant once a week and an additional restaurant once a month. So that's where I'm coming from, and I will try to keep my reply brief. And, and there's no, for future reference, people, you don't have to keep your replies that brief, just to let you know. Say whatever you need to say to get a good answer. That's my philosophy. <laughs> so from, in, from her experience, these are the pros. My gig provides me with a regular, predictable inflow of money, most of which goes straight back into classes, workshops, costume supplies, CDs, and bling. I can now support my habit with my habit. That's a good thing, too. Uh, two, it provides a regular place to put into practice the new things I am working on or trying three i get regular and rapid feedback from customer response my own critique and sometimes the owner and wait staff about what is working and what is not working four i don't get bored nor do the cooks and wait staff so i'm motivated to i don't want to get bored nor do the cooks and wait staff so i'm motivated to look for new music new moves and new costumes Five, I don't really need motivation to make new costumes or buy used ones, but the job helps me justify both. Six, I've learned to let go of bad nights quickly and to use them to motivate me in a positive manner. Write down what went wrong, what you can do to work on it, and then shake it off. Seven. I have access to people who can help me better understand the lyrics and the background of the music I work with, but I know this isn't true of all restaurants. I work at a Turkish restaurant with a few Turkish regulars that love the music I love, and the owner gets snitty if I if I sneak in non-Turkish songs. He loves Turkish Roma music. He hates Balkan Roma music. I've adapted. Eight. I get paid to do something I love. So now these are her cons. Number one, many dancers don't get paid good rates or have owners who want to haggle and dicker or have to deal with local dance politics they'd rather not deal with. Two, if you're tired or burned out, it's a bitch. Three, When you are burned out, it is easy to think the audiences are easily pleased by stupid little tricks and don't understand your artistry. 4. Owners can be dicks. 5. Regular gigs means more money that you have to spend on costume music, dance, and upkeep. 6. Customers say stupid things as if dancers don't have ears. Now she lists pros that seem like cons if you don't have the right attitude. So one, you have to check some of your artist's ego at the door. You are the entertainment. Sometimes your great artistry isn't going to be what is needed. Sometimes crowd-pleasing tricks are what are where it is at. There are times your super ethnic folk costume is not going to be appreciated. Same with your grand fusion ideas, and you just have to roll with that. Two, you can't be a needy dancer. Restaurants put you much closer to your audience. You can't expect to always get good energy from your audience. You need to learn when to give energy, when to take it, when to bring it up from within, and when to not let a toxic audience member throw you off your game. You also need to realize that your audience needs time to eat or might not like belly dance or might not be comfortable with you being close to them and to not take it personally. Three, it takes stamina. Audience members don't want to see you look like you're going to collapse. Four, you have to learn to be professional and find a way to dance even when you are burned out, heartbroken, or feel like crap. Your audience deserves it. It will make you a better dancer by teaching you when to tune things out or where to go in your mind and body when you need to bring forth emotions that you're not easily feeling. Ta-da! And that's me keeping it short. In a few hours, I'll scurry home, put on my face, and head into Tokyo for my gig. Thank you for all that great advice for our listeners. And I hope your gig in Tokyo went well. And um, I have a feeling that um, a lot of these discussions, a lot of these topics are probably going to come up uh, in later shows. So uh, be looking for that. And now your ShimmyCast news. And there's a lot of stuff going on, you guys. Okay. September 16th through October 30th, the Belly Dance Superstars will be having various workshops and shows in California, Mexico, Quebec, Spain, Georgia, West Virginia, and various locations in the United Kingdom. September 20th, Ash Hub Bollywood Dance Intro Workshop in Newtown, Geelong, Victoria, Australia. September 20th, Fat Chance Belly Dance hosts Tribal Nights Origins Show in San Francisco, California. September 20th, Zills of Insanity with Maya Zahara in Shawnee, Kansas. September 20th through the 21st. 1st through the 21st. Yasmeen presents Karam Turbo Tabla Nagi and Norhan Sharif in Workshop and Show in Charlotte, North Carolina. September 20th through the 21st. Zahara Noor presents workshop and gala show with Gina from Atlanta and Maya from Puerto Rico in Houston, Texas. September 20th through the 21st, Oasis Belly Dance Studio hosts Suya in workshops and dinner show in Lafayette, Louisiana. September 26th, Gypsy Fire will perform at the Rivers Edge Bistro and Cafe in Tulsa, Oklahoma. September 26th through the 29th, Western Australia Middle Eastern Dance Festival, Midnight at the Oasis in Perth, Western Australia. <coughs> September 26th through the 27th, Tribal LA in Glendale, California. September 27th, Cassandra Shore Workshop in Davenport, Iowa. September 27th, the 15th Annual Dancing Poetry Festival in San Francisco, California. September 27th through the 28th, Carinzia Bent Asia hosts Artemis Morant for two days of workshops and evening show in Muncie, Indiana. September 27th through the 28th, Shimiathon fundraiser for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation with workshops by Aziza Anal, Yasmin, and Unka in Kennesaw, Georgia. October 3rd through 5th, Festival of the Nile featuring Artemis Morant and workshops and show in Orlando, Florida. (coughs) October 4th, Tribal Spirit Workshop and Show sponsored by Tassels and Toes in Peoria, Illinois. October 4th, Rediscovering Beauty, a one-day retreat for women in Baldwin, Kansas. October 4th through the 5th. Amaya and Louisa at the Dare to Dream Workshop in Fort Worth, Texas. October 5th, Fat Chance Belly Dance at the World Vegetarian Day in San Francisco, California. October 9th through the 12th, Bahia's Hot Cabaret Dance Camp featuring Princess Farhana, Tamrah, and Bahia. This will be at Camp Arrowhead in Hunt, Texas. October 10th through the 12th, Red Moon Tribe is hosting its third annual Tribal Style Workshop weekend and show. Friday is the pre-party called Snake Charm Soiree. Saturday will be Signature Vocab and Tribal Fusion Drills taught by Read My Hips of Chicago. Sunday morning will be Floor Work and Sword taught by Read My Hips. And Sunday afternoon will be Skirt Work in the Karsh Lamar rhythm taught by Ziva. Saturday evening will be the Hips Noir stage show, so don't forget to bring your swords and full skirts. Also, attendees are advised that the workshop floor is concrete, so you may want to bring appropriate dance shoes, yoga mats, and knee pads. October 10th through 11th, Beach Blanket Baladi with Tempest Rishkalia Rahiyad and Shell draw in Nagshead, North Carolina. October tenth through the twelfth, Kira's Oasis presents Aziza in workshops and show in Centerville, Ohio. October tenth through twelfth our and Friends and Belly Dance Benefit for Breast Cancer in Miami, Florida. October twelfth. October twelfth Maya Zahara in Sacred Dance Workshop at Aquarius in Kansas City, Missouri. October 17th through the 19th, Hip Expressions presents the first annual Baladi Beach Bash featuring Jill Parker of Ultra Suede with two days of workshops and Saturday night show in Treasure Island, Florida. October 17th through the 19th, and then October 24th through the 26th, an evening of experimental Middle Eastern Dance in Venice, California. October 19th, Gypsy Fire will perform at Oktoberfest in the S. Tent in Tulsa, Oklahoma. October 25th, Karen Barbie Workshop and Show in Granville, Missouri. This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week, and as always, you can find more information about all of these events on the forum board. This week's first review is the Art of Belly Dance with Jillian Level 3 and it is reviewed by Alexa Soma. This video is the third installment of Jillian's Art of Belly Dance series produced by the Belly Dance Superstars. This series focuses on teaching choreographies, so if you're looking for an in-depth breakdown of movements, this isn't the series for you. If you are looking for ideas on how to link movements together, or for a new choreography to add to your cabaret repertoire, this video is perfect. Level 3 builds upon the movements in the previous videos with an Egyptian pop choreography with quick sharp changes and earthy movements. If you have mastered Jillian's Level 1 and 2 videos or have completed a beginner's class, you shouldn't have very much trouble learning this professional choreography. The format is the same as her previous videos. It starts with an introduction to the choreography and a few stretches, then moves into teaching movements, combinations, and choreography, and finally ends with a full performance by Jillian. The production elements, such as music, lighting, and set design, are also the same as each video was filmed over one period of time. Movements learned in this video include Egyptian twists, Saidi jump, pelvis pop, Sadie Hip Drop, Horse Step, Stylized Turns, and Reverse Body Wave. If your local dance retailer doesn't carry this item, you can purchase this video directly from BellyDanceSuperstars.com or Jillian.com. Many online dance retailers also carry this title, and it is available for rent on Netflix and Blockbuster. This week's first song is Dow's Dance by Emily Jones from the Podsafe Music Network. This week's second review is The Care and Feeding of a Dancer, What You Need to Know on and Off Stage* by Tony Branner and Jenna Lee Branner, and it is reviewed by Anala Rabari. This book has 17 chapters that range from how to choose a dance studio to nutrition to time management for dancers. Although the book is definitely geared more toward teen dancers, it is full of important information that dancers at any age can benefit from. Information on types of warm-ups and how they can be used to help different aspects of dance, such as flexibility or stamina, is included, as well as a chapter on injury prevention. I do have a few criticisms of the book. The major one is that it is mainly geared toward teen dancers, which means there is a lot of emphasis on keeping good grades, balancing time with family and friends, or getting permission from parents to do things. What is annoying is that in most of the situations, the statements could easily be reworded to apply to any dancer at any age. Any dancer needs to learn how to balance dance activities with the rest of their life, not just teen dancers. There is also an emphasis on the mainstream dance forms, such as tap, jazz, and ballet. I get I found this a little annoying because a little rewarding could have made it inclusive to so many other dance forms, such as country line dancing, Irish step dancing, belly dancing, or other world dance forms. I feel another drawback is that the authors do not always go as in-depth as they could. For instance, when discussing obtaining muscular balance, they suggest extra strengthening for certain muscles and extra stretching for other muscles. The problem is that they stop there. They don't suggest ways in which to accomplish the extra stretching or the extra strengthening. I think my, cha- my favorite chapters were on injury prevention because it also includes information on dancer first aid with helpful mnemonics. I also found the chapters on nutrition helpful as there is a lot of good advice on food that is best for dancers to eat before performing, while performing, and after performing, and I love the information on fluid replacement while exercising, and I can tell you that staying hydrated makes for a much more enjoyable workout. Some of my dance friends have found the chapters on handling stage fright or body image more helpful. On the whole, I think advanced dancers might find this book lacking, and adult dancers might find the constant referrals to teen life a little irritating. However, it is an excellent guide for beginning and hobbyist dancers who are looking for information on how to prevent basic injuries, guidance with basic nutrition, and the basics of performing, going to dance classes or workshops, and balancing dance with the rest of life. Um, emails and feedback section. I wanted to let you guys know I had a fabulous trip to DC. Um, I was there um, right before Labor Day weekend and through Labor Day weekend and um, the following week. And I went to a fabulous restaurant called Casablanca where I saw two dancers and had an amazing seven course Moroccan meal. Um, So, if you're in D.C., I would highly, highly, highly recommend Casablanca. Um, The wait staff was so nice and professional. The food was, oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, We had lamb with honey and almonds and then um, chicken with couscous. And, uh, oh my gosh, they had the best mint tea too it was so delicious and the dancers were so beautiful and so nice and um and I got to go and dance they invited me up on stage and I love it when I'm at a restaurant and the dancers invite people up on stage and I love it when I'm the one who gets invited because I love dancing and um you're always sitting there and you're like oh pick me pick me I want to dance I want to dance And my friends were kind of like, well, just get up and dance. And it's like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not nice. That's, you know, that would be rude. You need to wait until you're invited to come dance. And um, it was just fabulous and um, great sword work, some great Isis wings work. Um, I can't say enough about it. And, of course, um, the rest of my time there, we went to so many of the fabulous museums and I, and I have been to DC before, and had gone to a lot of these museums before, and um, it was—they were still fabulous to go back to. It was wonderful. Um, so, if you guys are ever in the DC area, I highly recommend getting out to the museums and going to Casablanca. <laughs> um, And then, uh, I need to tell you guys that in mid-October, I'm going to be going to Birmingham, Alabama. So, if any of you guys are in the Birmingham area and want to get together, we can uh, arrange that. And um, also, I'm very excited because I'm actually going to be recording um, a number of episodes all here together at once. So, it'll make it a little easier for me to um, publish... Episodes in a more timely manner for you guys because y'all have been so patient and I really appreciate it. So, um, and thanks for you guys who have sent in review requests. Those are being worked on and um, the, there will be an episode out pretty soon that includes some of those. So, if you have any other comments, suggestions, or feedback, email shimmycast.gmail.com Post on the forum. I know a lot of you guys have started um, a question of the week suggestion list. And I totally appreciate that and strongly suggest for others of you to go and add to that list. And I guarantee you they will all be used at one time or another. Um, so feel free to um, vote for us on Podcast Alley or Podcast Pickle and leave reviews on iTunes. Um, don't forget the Frapper Map. Ah, oh, and speaking of voting, um, there's going to be a link in the show notes for the, um, People's Choice Awards for Podcasting. And if you guys would feel so inclined to please nominate Shimmy cast for the, um, arts and entertainment category, I would really appreciate that, um, It's just a way to get the show a little bit more noticed and and get the word out that, you know, the show is here and available and a really great resource of information for people. So thanks, guys.
1: And on with the rest of the show.
0: So this week is part two of my interview with Safa. Um, barefoot or shoes
1: barefoot, totally barefoot, although this is this is personal preference it's actually better for you to dance with shoes on um, and I've certainly experienced numerous boiling hot stages where I was like shoes, 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 um, but I'm a barefoot girl. I walk around barefoot all the time
0: though, so yeah well, I mean I'm in Arkansas yeah. We're totally barefoot all the time. Yeah, It was hard for me to get used to dancing in shoes when my arthritis doctor was like, you need to, you really need to. It really
1: is better for you, though. I mean, it it saves your feet.
0: It really does. So,
1: unless you have really, like, those Chinese flats and you get on a slippery floor and then you fall over backwards and kill yourself, but, you know. (laughs) True. What's the one thing you always have to have in your dance bag? Safety pins. (laughs) Totally safety pins because safety pins can solve everything. Yeah. My uh, I actually I have a um, one of those great old like all metal crazy bells belts and the the fastening came off of it and I didn't realize and I I took it out to put it on for a performance like in New York City just a couple of weeks ago and I was like <gasps> crap now what great big safety pins held that sucker on oh. dude
0: that's awesome. Okay. What prompted you to teach?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think that it just felt like the obvious next step. Um, at, at least in the SCA in the area where I was because I started teaching in the SCA before I started teaching outside of the SCA um, so when in, in the area where I was there wasn't a lot of, of local belly dance classes for people in the SCA so I started teaching classes at Penzik and at other kind of SCA events and I really liked teaching I really liked it a lot so I started um, getting more into teaching regular classes and then I just started building up a following and people kept asking me you know you should you should open a studio that kind of thing so I opened a studio and I also you know I, I started teaching at universities and stuff I taught a for credit class in ballet dancing at the University of Pittsburgh that was full every semester which constantly amazed me I always had like 30 35 people in the class but I just really liked it so it just you know once I started doing it it was kind of like crack yeah you just keep going so do you find performing or teaching to be more rewarding it's a trade-off. I mean, I really, to be more rewarding, definitely teaching. Because the one thing that I really like the most is watching people learn to love something. And I've seen over the years that I've been teaching, I mean, I've watched baby dancers who came to me and they didn't know a single move of belly dancing grow up and open studios of their own and, and start performing and stuff. And it just, oh, it makes me so happy. I would, I just cannot be happier than seeing somebody just learn to love something and take it on for themselves and feel better about themselves and teaching in workshops and and stuff I really just love watching people go like, "Oh yeah, I really like that I never thought of that before like I, I love giving something to them that they might not have thought of before but performing's fun yeah but it 's also a huge pain because you have to put on so much makeup you know, and wear contact lenses like ah oh. everybody knows like the best part of the performance is taking everything off afterwards yeah. Yeah. how do you handle embarrassing moments
0: on stage?
1: two ways. <laughs> uh, depending on how embarrassing it is, I just ignore it and, uh, and cover it. and you know, Say you know, my pants start to fall off or something. Then I would like turn around so that the audience couldn't see me and do a great big shimmy while I was trying to like, surreptitiously tie it back on. That's the one way. If it's totally not avoidable that everyone in the audience has seen that there's something really horribly embarrassing happening, like say my skirt just fell off or something, that would be really horrible. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. But say something on that scale. The best thing that you can do is make it into, like, a burlesque. And when I say burlesque, I don't mean take all your clothes off, I mean... Make it hilarious and huge and totally acknowledge that you made a mistake. Because if something embarrassing and horrible happens to you on stage, everyone in the audience is like, oh, my God, does she know? Does she know? Oh, my God, she's stepping on, her, on the hem of her skirt. Does she know that? Oh, my God. And they can't focus on what you're doing. They can't even see you're dancing anymore because they're thinking so much about whatever horrible thing is happening. So the best thing to do is just stop really dramatically, like, hike your skirt back up and, like, put everything back in place but acknowledge what happened. And then the audience will be like, oh, ha, ha, ha good. She knows what's going on. Now I can settle in and watch the show again. So yeah, how do you handle burnout? That's a really good question too. Um, burnout. Wow. Um, I found that I had to cut back on on teaching classes because I was teaching I was teaching four beginner classes a week. And one beginner two class and one intermediate class, as well as rehearsing with my dance company. Um, And it was really the beginner classes that were starting to do it to me, because even though I really love introducing people into kind of dancing, um, man, was it ever hard to be teaching the same thing over and over again, the same basic movements. I mean, there's only so many times you can go over a hip bump before you're just like, oh, God, please, no more. So um, I cut back on teaching my classes for a while, and that was really helpful. And I found that having other physical things that I do that are interesting to me is also really helpful. Like I I picked up hooping a little while ago and hooping is really fun. And going to yoga class, hula hooping, yeah. Dancing with hula hoops. Uh, Yeah, and it's really good exercise too. But I unfortunately forgot my hula hoops in New York City. So it's going to be a while before I can start hooping again. (laughs) <laughs> except you need bigger hula hoops you can't have like tiny little kid-sized ones uh but in yoga i've been i've been doing a lot of yoga which is just like because it, it's a different focus so it's it's nice to have something that i can do that still feels physical but isn't exactly belly dancing
0: why do you continue to
1: dance because I love it, because it's, it's good exercise, and I love the people that I meet. I mean, I think the belly dancing community is probably one of the most inclusive and far-reaching of any other community I've ever met. I know that whenever I travel anywhere, if I email ahead and say, Hey, belly dancers, I want to come hang out with you guys, they're like, Sure, I, went, I did that in Australia, and I ended up staying with belly dancers in the Blue Mountains right outside of Sydney, because I was like, I was just like, Hey, are there any shows around? And they were like, No, but you can come stay at my house. They <laughs> like, Okay. You know It was it was awesome And we totally We gossip I mean you get together With belly dance And you can just gossip About belly dance For ages it Gives you so much Interesting stuff To talk about um, I think it's a really Useful skill set In general Because this is where I start to get Very philosophical Um, one of the things that I think is most important for people especially in western society these days is that we have so much of a disconnect between the mind and the body we spend a lot of time thinking about things or a lot of time doing things but we don't spend a lot of time Melding the two of them together into a hole So a lot of the time when people exercise They go jog on a treadmill for an hour or something And that's their exercise It has nothing to do with the mind They're totally distracted They're watching TV, they're reading a book, whatever The rest of the time they're at work They're totally focused, they're sitting still They're working in their heads And there's nothing going on And I think that that's really responsible For a lot of body issues that people have feeling that really strong body disconnect and one of the things that I've gotten from a lot of my dance students as they gotten more into dancing is saying wow thank you I feel so much more comfortable with myself now that I'm more wholly integrated and now that I feel more you know I can think about my body from the inside but I can also feel what's going on and everything so it's really it's very much connected it's very holistic and it really kind of makes you a happier person a lot, and I've seen, I've observed this over and over again. At first, I was like, "Well, this is some crazy hippie bullshit that I'm spouting," and then, and then I was like, "But it's actually true," kind of a thing. And now it's, it's the foundation for. Um uh, kind of my research in uh, the field of psychology, which is what my master's degree is. I'm studying counseling psychology, and I'm really interested in movement therapy because the effects that movement and dancing have had on the people that I've I've seen really just grow and change with it is amazing. It's amazing. It's a light years ahead of any other kind of therapy.
0: So I hope you guys enjoyed part two of my interview with Safa, and we'll be having another um, part of that coming up soon. Um, And I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show as well. For now, it's time for the question of the week. And this is a listener-submitted question, which is, What makes a good belly dance teacher? So to answer, send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com. Or better yet, post on the forum, which you can get to through shimmycast.blogspot.com. Finally, it's time for the last music pick of the week. This song is Dark Eyes by Blue Jar from the Podsafe Music Network. I hope you all enjoy, and until next time, this is Anala Rabari saying Shimmy On. Thanks again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are of those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.